Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, I sit down with Freddie Cowan. So I, I guess most of you will know Freddie from the vaccines, uh, but Freddie's got new music out. And uh, and it's, it's it's Freddie and the scenario, so go check it out. It's amazing. Let's get that out of the way first. Obviously, we talk about it. Um, and it's a wonderful chat. Uh, I'd never met Freddie before, and it it, it it was just lovely to meet him and 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 to have this uh, recording done because it was a cracker. And uh, and I know I say that about you know a, a, a fair whack of these these chats, but it was a real real nice natter this one, and I think uh, I think you're going to love it. Um, before we, we press play on that chat, I've just got to do a few thank yous. So uh, I want to thank Scroobius Pip and everyone at the Distraction Pieces Network, which this uh, podcast is very, very uh, proud to be part of. It's an amazing um, uh, network over there with some incredible podcasts. I mean, obviously, Scroobius Pip's over there. He's the podfather. You know, it's if it, if it wasn't for Pip, I certainly wouldn't be doing anything in the in the realms of podcasting. And I don't need to tell you about films to be buried with Brett Goldstein's podcast. Um, somehow, I managed to 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 blag myself onto that podcast many years ago. Um, he's such a super kind guy, is Brett, and seeing his career go the way it's gone, and oh my god, if if any of you have lived under a rock and have not seen Ted Lasso, then go and get involved because it's it's wonderful. And um, Brett's got an amazing podcast over on the network as well, amongst so many other great podcasts. I won't list them all, but just go and have a go and have a look. Um, I want to thank the team at the Blue Murder Club podcast. Uh, it's an amazing true crime podcast and uh, and the team over there are responsible for producing this podcast. So thank you very much. Go check out that podcast. Um, also, if this is your first time listening, hello and welcome. Uh, you're very, very, very late to the party. Um, we're fast approaching 500 episodes of this. So uh, there's plenty of you, uh, plenty for you to get stuck into after you've listened to this chat. Um, when you finish listening to today's chat with Freddie, and if you feel like you need another vaccine in your life, I had a great chat with Justin um, a few years ago. That episode's available. And if you like your, your indie stuff, then I've had the Killers, the Kaisers, um, gosh, uh, who else have I had on? Everyone. I've had everyone on nowadays. And uh, and, and if you like your rock and roll, I've had the Foo Fighters, Tommy Lee and Motley Crue. If you like hip-hop, I've had Yellow Wolf, I've had Chuck D from Public Enemy. Oh, God, who else have I had on? Leon Bridges, um, Aloe Black, 
through to... Oh, I've got a list here. Who else am I going to uh, rattle off from here? Oh, I've got a load on this one. Uh, let's have a look. Let's have a look. Uh, Raul Reynolds of Ennisha Curry. Gary Kemp, Spandau Ballet. Jack Savaretti. Uh, Blake Harrison and James Buckley. Two of the in-betweeners there. Um, there's some great chats there. David Gray. Martin Ware. The list goes on and on and on. On uh, Fatboy Slim, Fed Legrand, Charlene Spateri, John Bradley of Game of Thrones. Had so many of the, the Shane Meadows massive on. I've had Thomas Turgoose, Joe Hartley, uh, Michael Smiley. Um, oh, God. That's it. I'm not going to keep telling you because I'll be here all day. There's, there's like I say, nearly 500. So go, go get stuck in. Uh, once you finish today's chat with Freddie. Um, also, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can do that, and it's really simple. All you do is you just nudge your pal and say there's this elderly guy from Essex with a lisp that talks to really interesting people about music and uh, and their creative journey to date. That's great if you can do that. Um, I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, so you can give us a little like, love, share, retweet, follow, and that over there. And there's a Patreon, and the Patreon enables you to access loads of stuff. So there's a cost of living crisis going on, so it's 70p a month. If you can spare 70p a month or a dollar, then what you get is you can watch all the episodes. So if you like watching your podcast, you can go over to Patreon uh, and watch all the episodes, get access to a back catalogue of hundreds and hundreds of episodes, and I put up radio shows, mixtapes, um, and once a month we do a live show. It's an online live show that patrons are invited to. We pick a question from the podcast and everybody gets stuck in. It's lovely. It's a really nice little gang of people all talking passionately about music. It's not a judgy thing. Um, it's just, uh, it's lovely. So you, you'll be more than welcome to come along to that. You haven't got to have your camera on or your or your mic on. You can just watch from the distance if you just want to sort of do it like that. Or you can get really, really involved and feature on an episode. And you can find out about that at Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash off the beat and track or if you can't remember that your one-stop shop's the website which has links to everything which is off the beat and track podcast.com right let's get on with it please enjoy today's episode of off the beat and track podcast freddie cowan <laughs> It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Okay, we're recording. Freddie, how are you today? I'm good. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure, mate. It's an absolute pleasure. Um, let's jump straight in, and and I'm intrigued to know the song that you regard as having the greatest ever intro, please. So, I mean, i just like to say all these are subjective choices. Right, okay. I think music is highly subjective and based upon, you know, time when we first heard, like, certain periods in our life. So, for me, this song is it's Little Wing by Jimi Hendrix. I guess partly being a guitar player, that, that influences it because it's such an amazing piece of guitar playing. But it was my... Um, I used to have like a CD player that was my alarm clock to school. So I, I always hear this song. It's quite bittersweet because I hated going to school. Yeah. And parents had just split up and it was this kind of weird, like quite unhappy phase. But I don't know. It was like a quite angelic influence in my life, you know? Yeah. I, think so, I, I recognized on some level that there was something incredibly special about music, about 
Jimi Hendrix about possibilities, maybe even the kind of ticket that music might be to or has been for a lot of people and, and became for me like a, a different way of life. I, I just want to sort of pick up on that quickly. Um, did, did that feel that we, we're sort of fast forwarding a bit really, but I'm, I'm, I'm always intrigued when people say what you just said. Did it feel like it was a legit possibility coming from where you come from around the people that were around you that you could, you could be, you know, a rock and roll star? No. <laughs> and and, and I, I grew up very privileged. Like I'm not, you know, like I'm not, um, I'm not from the wrong side of the tracks. Yeah. That's not my story. And, and actually having grown up a bit and seen a bit more of life and, and understanding what it means to be from the other side of the tracks and what it means for people to make a success out of their lives. Yeah. I just think that's astounding. Yeah. But, but even even being privileged, and uh, no, I just thought it was an impossibility. Yeah. And and also way pre social media, and when everything was just CDs and magazines, like people were gods. Yeah. yeah. And now it's all about being relatable and about being instantly accessible. It's it's so true. It's it, it, from I mean I'm I'm fast approaching fifty, Freddie, and. And, and I grew up in an era where I was obsessed with Morrissey, not so much now, but Morrissey um, yeah. and, 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 Mi- and Michael Stipe and, and all of yeah. these like incredible, you know, front people of, of bands. But I never had any idea what Michael Stipe was having for his dinner. I didn't know who Michael Stipe was hanging out with because there was no social media. And I think there's a beauty in that kind of magic. Do you know what I mean? That I think as doesn't really exist anymore. Like, do you know what I'm saying? It, it doesn't exist. And you can see that from all the festival headliners and all the bands that people still consider to be the big bands. Yeah. They're mostly old bands. Yeah. And it's because, I think it's because we used to have the attention span to be super fans. Yeah, absolutely. And not like addicts like we are now. Like yeah. Kids are almost like you're an addict to the app and to certain people. Yeah. Um, and it's very like sugary, but yeah, I was super fans to bands, and I, I just don't see that you know, it's the same cultivation of love is not really. I don't really see it anymore. Yeah. So, so like when people go and see like Blur at Wembley this year, it's to go and relive that feeling. Yeah, yeah. Or they go and see Strokes at Hyde. Uh, where they're playing all points east or whatever. It's always like the same, same bands headlining everything because they want to relive. See, I that get that. Time. I yeah. get that. And, and, and you know, you, you've just mentioned two bands that had a huge impact on me. But I listened to an interview with, with Noel Gallagher the other day about Nebworth. And, and he said, you know, they were asking him like, why that was so iconic. And he said, like, apart from the timing and things like that, nobody had phones. And he said that's what made the connection so strong. That there was no there was no distraction. It was the band, the fans. No one was filming, no one was texting, no one was on their phones. And I just thought Yeah. Of course that's the case. Like, that's incredible. Like and yeah. and that's gone now. And I and I think something that I, that I've noticed, certainly post lockdown, is I I 
I run a venue, and uh, uh, and we have big. Well, it's called the Pink Toothbrush in Rayleigh. It's uh, it's the longest running indie alternative club in the UK. We we, we steep and Blur cut their teeth there, so that's that's uh, really? yeah. And Depeche Mode were a resident band back in the day. Yeah, we've uh, we, we've got some history. Um, yeah. We ain't got a lot in Essex, but we 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 cherish that one. Um, and 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 it's really weird when. When we play sort of it's weekends, it's still big indie bangers, you know, every Friday and Saturday. And the opening calls to a song come on, and kids go mental for about thirty seconds. <laughs> and I don't know if that's just relatable to TikTok, but um, after thirty seconds, they're pulling their phones from their pocket again, and like, and I just find that really strange. In the club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not everybody, but I can see it, and it's like wow like they just need and so this is going to kind of lead me on to, to where i want to go with this and the music you're making now and the music you're making with the vaccines and tell tell me a little bit about how you approach songwriting now in a world where labels are focusing on you know the benefits of tiktok and the the power of a spotify playlist you know and 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 you're immersed in thousands and thousands and thousands of bands that are constantly putting content out all the time. I shouldn't say content, music out all the time. Yeah, and, content, yeah. and so there's that pressure for, for, for a lot of artists to start with a chorus, you know, hooks, 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 pull them in, pull them in, pull them in, otherwise we're going to get lost. Does any of them kind of trends and and movements in tech that ever filter through into your creative process? No. Good. <laughs> not into mine. <laughs> I, I'm just not interested. I, I, I'm a kind of so, uh, almost like elected Luddite in terms of I'm, I'm not going to understand TikTok. I don't want to understand it. I look at it and it makes me feel physically ill. Yeah. Like, I'm not. That's not a, a metaphor. Like I mean, it makes me feel sick. Yeah. Because of the weight of it and um, my brain's move, not moving at that pace. Yeah, and I just have no interest in it, and I'm. I feel fortunate enough that there's people alive, like loads of us, that have a different attitude and a different sentiment around music. Absolutely. So that I feel like there's enough people that I would be interested in listening to music that I make. Yeah, absolutely. Right. But it's not. I'm not anti anything. I'm not anti progression or not it's just so intuitively against what i feel is right for me yeah and music to me is sacred so yeah i'm only going to do what i feel is right i'm not going to try and play it so so many of them things that i mentioned them them movements and trends and things like that they all seem to kind of swerve the word art the art don't feature in it it's it's everything else but what's important yeah. i think yeah, but it's interesting what will be left in, in historically. You know, like I was talking to my mother-in-law yesterday. We were talking about when your parents die and about having to go through all their old boxes of pictures and, and, and clean up the attic. And I said, well, that's not going to exist in 50 years yeah. or 100 years. They're like disposing of someone's phone. Yeah, or whatever will be the phone then, you know. So, so what what will be the record of all these TikTok? Someone who's got as many TikTok followers as a 
population of a kind of big city, there might be nothing left of them. No, no residue, like nothing. Yeah. Once that app goes under, someone bans it, something happens. And again, that's, I'm not, I'm not judging any of it. Um, but it is, it, it's pretty interesting to, it holds so much power. Yeah. Because of the money it controls. But in a heartbeat, it could disappear. Yeah, and the, but the industry have to serve it because they have to go with the changes. Sure. But um, it definitely feels like a race to the bottom. Yeah, absolutely. Personally, but that said, not an easy thing to crack. Yeah. Not an easy thing to be good at. And I think those people that are good at it and crack it work really hard at it. So, you yeah. know. I'm going to take I'm going to take you back, track two. Tell me the first song, please, Freddie, you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you? Uh, it's uh, Papa's Got a Brand New Bag <laughs> by James Brown. I didn't think about these answers too much. I just answered them. That could easily have been the first one as well. What an intro. Oh, yeah. No, but I just remember it's the first. I just remember being in my parents' living room, probably with a hairbrush or a pen or something. And just doing the whole James Brown thing. Yeah. I don't think I'd even seen James Brown perform or knew what he looked like. I just knew how to move to music like that. Yeah. So he was my first musical hero. And where, where was that? Where was home? Where was growing up? That was in Vauxhall. Yeah. Yeah. Um, was, was home musical? Yeah. Yeah. My my mum and my dad had played had at one point played guitar. My dad used to manage a music shop. My mum was a great pianist and a guitar player and everything. But but both of them had long since forgotten how to play. Yeah. But it was a very artistic household. My parents at that point were in the photography industry. Yeah. So was there instruments lying around? Yeah, it was like a massive like n- nylon string, classical guitar, and I played that for years. Did my first concert school when I was probably six. Yeah, like not knowing what I was playing, you know, just would have been absolute nonsense. Yeah, um, but that was, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a definitely, it was not a house that was a stranger to the arts. Yeah, yeah. We touched on school, so that's 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 fitting that I'm going to ask you now. To tell me the song that reminds you of your time at school, please. So let's fast forward to. Secondary school. Okay. So la- last night by the Strokes. Yeah. So like, again, talking about that collective shared experience, consciousness, which like, another thing that doesn't really exist, I suppose. Well, Nebworth, that was, there was like a percentage of the UK population that signed up to go to Nebworth. I think 8 million people signed up to try and get tickets. It was something insane. Yeah. Yeah, yeah 8 million, that's a percentage. Yeah. Um, in the strokes, like not on that level, but it was the same kind of cultural phenomenon. Yeah. The excitement so, was insane, wasn't it, around the strokes? Yeah. Yeah, it was insane. Interesting. You know, like, if you'd remember, if you were around in the 80s in New York and you knew those bands, you'd be like, why is everyone going mad? This is, I've seen, I've seen this. Yeah. Right? But we'd never seen anything like that. Yeah. It's like, what are these shoes? 
converse things. Like, whoa. And I was speaking to my friend who grew up in Denmark, and they she, she would get they had to go and, and get them imported. Everyone was getting converse imported. Yeah. It's like, what kind of cigarettes do they smoke? You know, what, kind of, <laughs> what kind of whiskey do we have to be drinking? And, and it, at that age, and I actually like later kind of started hanging out a bit with Albert Hammond Jr. and we worked with him and and started to see the reality of the kind of drug abuse and the alcohol abuse and the how everything kind of like that shit crashed and burned, right? Yeah. Like it does for most people. But they were super young. When when that band came out, I was probably thirteen. Yeah, and it just blew our minds. I mean, like, fucking great, you know, cigarettes, booze, you know, girls, parties, everything. That was, and it, it was a tribe. Yeah, we go we go to Camden, we buy the vintage t you know, all the vintage clothes. We all had like super long hair, and and it defined us just at the right time. Yeah. And the the Strokes looked like a gang, didn't they? Every every good band looks like a gang. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, every good band looks like a gang. Yeah, and and I think as much as it had that stripped back, you know, kind of post punky, you, you know, that they they wore influences on their sleeves. But of all of the bands that influenced them, I think the Strokes far outweighed them all with pop tunes because all of their songs were just instant. Like so catchy, yeah. incredible choruses. Oh yeah, I, I think it was real record store snobbery. Yeah, not, like nonsense. Like yeah, they just sound like television. It's yeah, like, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit maybe. Mm. But actually, I mean, his favorite songwriter I heard was Bob Marley. Right. Julian Casablancas. Yeah. And he was again like later when I was living in New York. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Talking to people that work with him, and 
he was looking at people like Kesha. Yeah. He was like, I want to write a song like that. Yeah. Um, but it was it was some of the best and, and some and again, like you were talking about Morrissey. I don't know how old you were when you went to see the Smiths, if you did see the Smiths, but I, I saw the strokes at 14, it's like peak. Yeah. Um, and rock and roll is a, I don't know if you have kids, but it, you know, that kind of young being in a gang, putting everything into your art, just you're a kind of solipsistic island. And obviously life changes. You get a bit older, you have kids, you're like, it, you see the, the kind of game of it and the fun of it and the fancy of it. But it is that concentrated being in, your, in a band sense, like you're being in your 20s yeah. and you're like on a mission. Yeah. Um, and there's something, I don't know what it is, like archetypal or sacred or really special about it because it obviously speaks to people again and again and again, you know, yeah. since, since, I don't know, the shadows. Yeah. Did you know what you wanted to be when you was at school? Yeah, I wanted to be a rock star. <laughs> Did you tell the careers officer that? Because that's what I said I to my I careers officer. They just laughed at me. I told everyone that. My friend sent me a video the other day of me, like in school, like smoking behind somewhere, you know, being like, like what do you want to be? I, was like, I want to be a rock star. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, don't worry, I'll come back. I'll come back and look after you. You know, this guy's now like a, like a billionaire, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm like, send us money. But he's um, no, it's that's what I wanted to be, and I was incredibly arrogant, and which was a gift then. And um, arrogant? Would you say he was confident? Very confident, but also quite arrogant. Yeah, I had like complete blind faith. So these are the things that really helped me because if I didn't have this, I wouldn't have done something so audacious. Yeah. But um, so I left school when I was 15. Yeah. I got kind of kicked out for behavior and drinking and music. I was just always confiscating my guitar and I was always getting in trouble and getting caught with things and people. And so. I got kind of asked to leave and I went to music college when yeah. I was 16. And then I thought, you guys are all a bunch of losers. What have you guys done? Like, I definitely wouldn't be so foolish to approach that way, that way now. Like, if yeah. I was the teacher, it would have slapped me, you know? Yeah. I was like, what have you done? Yeah. Like, why are you teaching here? Why are you teaching me? What have you done? Nonsense. But, but that's, that was, that was my arrogance and my one track mindedness. I was like, I don't want to learn how to play guitar like Angus Young and this is like, I want to be me. Yeah. I don't want to be like an amalgamation of all these people. But and that's actually, that's good. That's good. Yeah, yeah. I was I was bang on. Yeah, I was bang on. But it doesn't mean I couldn't have learned a lot. And I've even considered recently, like, would I want to go to like a good music school and study jazz, study something? You know, what does that music career look like if it continues to develop? Yeah. Do I want to be able to score for things? And I, my favorite musicians now are all trained. Yeah. And you can hear a guitar player that's trained and one that isn't. Even the best guitar players who aren't trained, you can hear they, there are things that they do not know how to do. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about the first record you remember buying. You hear me clicking. Um, the first album I remember buying that wasn't the Pokemon album, because I can't talk about that. 
It's uh, it's uh, Surfer Roasted by the Pixies. Fucking hell, come on. Like, who put, like, honestly, this is meant to be the embarrassing one, and you've just dropped fucking well, I Surfer Roasted. I told you, it was, it, was, it was Pokemon album. That was the first thing I ever bought. Very limited. What airtime I can give you on that. But there was a Pokemon rap in there, but the Raichu, etc. I think I had heard Where Is My Mind? Yeah. Something. And there was like a, all the Pixies albums were like three pounds, like a massive discount, HMB. Yeah. It had a topless woman like on the front. And, and I really, I really liked it. And it, and, but the out, the song that stood out for that was Bone Machine. What for a me. song. What a song. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and uh, then I probably didn't appreciate it, but now I think, Joey Santiago, amazing guitar player. Mm. You know, Francis Black, great singer, great songwriter. Um, Kim Deal, genius. Yeah. Great band. Um, what are your thoughts? It's so hard to do that. What are your thoughts on bands from that era and eras before coming back and and playing that album? I, I, I asked that because I saw the Pixies do um, uh, do little. And around that time, saw Lemonhead do Shame About Ray, James Diction do Ritual, and, and there was just a big spate of it. And, and I've had a few guests that have done them shows, and and some of them kind of felt uncomfortable with it. And so I'm just wondering, as, as, as a musician and as a music fan, what your thoughts are on bands doing that sort of nostalgia thing of playing that album in its entirety? I'm not, I'm not very interested in it. It makes sense why people do it because it's like we were talking earlier. It's to kind of you commodified it into like a something bite-sized, yeah, that someone can understand. Yeah, uh, I remember that time, that experience, that's stored in my memory, and I'm now going to go and relive it. And it's a fun night out. It's like going to the movies. Yeah, it's really interesting what we what we're paid for, and what we weren't. Like we'll go to Five Guys and spend like twenty pounds on a burger. And the cinema is like the other family. It's like fifty quid. Yeah, it's inter- It's really interesting. That's yeah. uh, what what we're willing to what we deem has like has value like that. Um, but I guess it's it's like the movie industry. You, you, the only thing that sells is the, the franchises because the, the the zeitgeist already exists in your m- memory. Yeah, kick anything, any toy like Barbie. Then Barbie making a film. Um, Fast and Furious, like thirty, and then you have the the antithesis of that, which is the kind of art house films, which which again, like I think, do okay, like not making a lot of money, but there is definitely a market for it, and that's a bit like uh, vinyl industry. Yeah, six music. There's actually there's a big kind of subculture of really like quality stuff, and I'm not against blockbusters. Um. I guess I'd put the reunion shows more in like the blockbuster category, sure. like the, the nostalgia shows. Yeah. A little like bite-sized thing. Okay, we can market this. It's really, really clear. Yeah. But it's odd as well. I remember putting on a charity gig for a friend of mine who died, and we had like four bands on the bill that could have easily sold out the venue, some of them like three times over, and it didn't sell out. Because it was really hard for people to get their heads around what what's this going to be? You got this band and this band and that band. And yeah. 
yeah so yeah it's it's an easy thing to sell like, i'm not interested in going to see it yeah it's interesting like the glass degree headliners this year elton john uh yeah i mean i'm not i'm not interested really in seeing elton john or guns and roses but i'm a big arctic monkeys fan i see i see them quite often because we used to tour with them like jamie and the band is like a complete gent and he always puts us on the guest system we get tickets and, and i just think they're amazing i think you've got axel rose with all his like prosthetics and you know and then Elton John, the similar, and then you've got Alex Turner, who just, they seem so unplastic compared to every other yeah. band in, in, at their level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just very, very real yeah. people. Yeah. Elton John looks surreal. It's like when, it, you're just so used to him being Elton John and looking like Elton John. No one else dresses like Elton John. No, sometimes you watch like Vegas Elvis, you just think, fucking hell, like, what a look. That was just a complete unique look. And I look out and John and just think, fucking hell, who dresses like that? Like, don't go on, Geese is super talented and has like some incredible records. But looks bananas. Like you just look out and John and you think, that's a mental look. But yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But it's an incredible look. And it's not really what I'm gonna be wearing, because I just you, no one else could wear that. People could wear what Alex Turner wears and walk down the street and people would be like, that's a cool looking guy. You stroll down the street wearing Elton yeah. John's clubber and people are like, that's pretty weird. But Alex Turner is like a film, he's like a film star. Yeah. He's got that star quality and you see it when you kind of, you actually see it when you're with him because you see how much the camera adds to like a, like a film star. Yeah. looks different on camera. And a model, like a, massive model look different on camera yeah I, I have no idea what, what, what that's about yeah I saw Clive Owen the other day I was like god you, you're like not tall no, you're quite orange yeah I can see your hair dye I, I thought you were like mega hunk you know and on camera it must all come alive yeah 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 um but Alex you know he just photographs amazingly like dresses amazingly yeah yeah but he, he has he has that kind of quality. Yeah. For sure. Ellen John is like a whole different <laughs> beast, I guess. But, but incredible incredible that like otherworldly talent. Absolutely. I was literally right. listening to Mona Lisa's a man at us before we recorded this today. It's uh in incredible. Absolutely incredible. Uh, uh I'd swerve his stylist. Um <laughs> let's go. I wanna know about where you uh where you went clubbing. And and the music that you was dancing to when you went clubbing, please, Freddie. So I'd say my clubbing days were probably 17, 18, 19. And they were pretty hardcore, actually. Um, my brother's band, The Horrors, had just taken off. And they were actually all, most of them from, from South End. They Essex. were, they were. Junk Club, I was there. It was there. Yeah, junk club. yeah, yeah of exactly. course. Junk Club was called Junk Club for a reason, though. It was some of like the gnarliest drug-taking parties, crazy kind of almost like quite twisted <laughs> like scene. Um, and yeah, so, so, that, so I would say the song is Counting Fives by the Horrors. Yeah, watching. Yeah, and so that you know they blew up really quickly and that was 
I'd say that was the time when indie had become the dominant, almost the dominant subculture. Absolutely. So obviously it, wasn't, it wasn't like the pop culture, but it was pretty much pop culture. Yeah. You know, Alexa Chung, Marty Monkeys, Claxton's winning the Mercury Prize, Kate Moss and Pink, uh, and Pete, <laughs> Pink Doherty, Pete Doherty, that whole festival fashion, that was it. Absolutely. That was. I don't think we'd seen that since maybe Britpop, like the, yeah, you know, the, exactly. and and it was it was absolutely huge. And the, the being you know being an Essex boy and, and and my club being literally sort of twenty minutes down the road from Junk, and knowing that the, the, the people at Junk that put that together, we have for years dined out that we had this kind of absolute gem of this hidden little indie night that that had been going for thirty years and it was this amazing thing. And these kids down the road put something on that blew us out of the water for about two years. It was like, oh, really? it was like, fuck, they've 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 just gone really fucking left field with it, and they've made. And, and obviously, it weren't just the horrors. We were seeing these new Puritans, Ipso Facto, you know, Neil's yeah. Children. All of these bands were all just coming out of South End, and it was like, what's going on? Like, we, yeah. are, are, are we old? Are we out of date? And and it just. <laughs> Junk looks so exciting, and obviously the, the the horrors were the absolute poster boys for it. And and yeah, it's uh, it's so I've, I've got real strong memories of 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 Reese coming down to, to to my clubs and 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 being a little Northern Soul kid when he was like sixteen. And they were always kind of tastemakers. They were always a little bit ahead of the game. And and look what's happened. You know, they've they've, they've grabbed that and 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 become what they've become, which is. Absolutely incredible, but yeah, I was fiercely jealous of uh, of what they were doing, and it and it threw out a lot of amazing talent. Like, yeah, I mean, they're, they're made, like Reese is he's another like film star kind of character, and and his passion for it, and, and he'll never change. He'll he'll be he'll be DJing and dressing like that until he's yeah in his seventies. Absolutely, absolutely. Like that's, that's that's in his blood, you know. Yeah, and uh, but but they he is also like a superhuman partier. Yeah. <laughs> like, like never a wrinkle, like day three. What is, what is, what, what is that? I gotta, I gotta go home. I had like <laughs> one of the, like my, one of my worst like hangovers. We went to jump New Year's Eve party. I went back to someone's flat and it, and he decorated his, his room like the milk bar from Clockwork Orange. Yeah. It was like day three or something. I was like, this is dark. That's intense, isn't it? On day <laughs> <This is> three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Right. Okay, I'm going to take you home for track six. Tell me your favourite song from an artist from your home county, please, Freddie. Oh, my home county? Have you gone country? That's fine. Oh, home country. Oh, shit, home county. Well, I can try it. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Um, um, no, I can't. I'm going to put um, Out the Blue by John Lennon. Oh, beautiful. Uh, just because it's it's my it's my song it's it's my like wife and I it's like our song um, and he's my favorite songwriter yeah and I d- when I really discovered what love was I, I heard that song at just the right time yeah and it made total sense um just when people describe love they say you'll know when it you know when you know you know when it hits you. And it is. It's like when you become a parent, or you do you you experience that for the first time. It does come out of the blue, yeah. And it does blow away life's misery, like the song says. Yeah. Um. What's the, what are the lyrics? Every day I thank the Lord and Lady, um, for the way you came to me. You know. And anyway, I you know I survived long enough to make you my wife yeah and i can hear that in his his story you know he was obviously like went through so much and was a very troubled guy um and he had a very difficult and 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 troubling childhood or whatever and obviously had a very cynical view on the world and and he's he's saying that you know survive long enough to understand what love is yeah to be to be woken up but he has some, obviously has so many great songs. But I, I'm much, I'm much more of a fan of his post Beatles songs. Yeah, I think God is an amazing song. If you know that, like the opening line, God is a concept by which we measure our pain. I, I still don't really understand what he's saying, but I can never forget that line. Yeah, and it really, I guess, like growing up in working class Liverpool, what that would mean to him, you know, yeah. what. Are we, pain everyone's going through and they're saying you know and the societal injustice and so Freddie I asked you about confidence uh, a little earlier and I want to ask you you, I mean from what you've done with the vaccines and what you're doing now um, which we'll obviously talk about the music you're making um, currently you've carved out and grown and sustained uh, a career in an incredibly tough industry. Tell me about your relationship with drive and how driven you are. 
Um, I'd, I'd say I'm obsessively driven. Yeah. Um, and I actually, I actually try quite hard to be less driven than I am. Where's that drive come from? <laughs> Trauma, probably. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a really, com- it's a really like, complicated question because there's so many. I think we live in in Britain. We live in the shadow of two world wars, mm-hmm. and we live in the shadow of a lot of uh, hard times. Uh, I say that my dad, his parents were in the war generation. I think that he felt that he really wanted to. I mean, his his my grandfather was very working class, and he became quite middle class. So my dad wasn't trying to escape poverty or anything. He just didn't feel like he belonged where he he grew up in Loughborough. Grew up in Stockton and he moved to Loughborough. And he just wanted to get out. Didn't feel like he fit in with his family, didn't feel like he fit in with any of it. Um, and he's like that, obsessively driven, but and so I think I probably got it from him that my value would come my value comes from achievement. And that's not something that I, I agree with. But I see it in lots and lots of usually like men um, who are very, very successful. Yeah. But I say men because, you know, recently I'm awakening to, <laughs> this sounds funny, but I've recently become, become a feminist. And that sounds quite like, silly or whatever. I always understood it. I don't think I ever felt it. And I just... It's interesting how much we celebrate successful men, driven men, um, and then we don't celebrate. I think what's much like, and I met this woman last night. She lost her husband when her kids, some one of her, a couple of her kids were under four, and she had four kids. And if you have kids, you know, being a single parent is near impossible anyway. And bringing up four kids, and and no one's like celebrating her. And I, and actually, I have much more value that type of selfless drive now. Yeah. Because the thing about that more celebrated traditional drive is it's very satisfying. It's, a, it's an addiction. Get like, oh, you sold, make this happen, make that happen. And everyone goes, brilliant, it's so great, you know. Yeah. Um, but actually, it can often leave a, leave a lot of destruction in its wake, yeah. you know. But that is an achievement in itself, and and you know, and you sh- there should be no shame attached to celebrating that, you know. What's that achievement in, in 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 whether it be, you know, music or or you know, record sales, whatever, you know, as 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 oh, much, 100%. yeah, you know, hundred percent, yeah. I mean, I guess as, as I'm, I have this theory. I have a theory. It's probably not probably just fact, but if I'd say forty would be a good age to live for most of human evolution if you made it to 40 you'd be doing really well yeah so humans were had a 40-year lifespan a lot longer than they had in 70 80 90 100 year lifespan so when you get to like 30 evolutionary speaking you're probably coming to the last decade of your life yeah and so i i think certainly when i got to 28 29 i was having a real awakening and a shift and like, okay what do I want the second half of my life to be about 
And it felt very intuitively wrong for me to say the same thing that the first half of my life was about, which was about me, achievement, you know, money, sales, like rock star, all those things that I so desperately went after. Um, you consciously looked for something different. Yeah, it's not easy for me, but I'm like, I want to be a great, like I'm, I'd much rather be a great dad than be, yeah. And being, you know, these, I'm not willing to sacrifice the things that I think are really, really important for the things that I think are materially important. But it's definitely been a journey for me because it's not, it's not an easy thing to pursue, but uh, for me at least. But um, yeah, I, I think that kind of quiet, those quiet achievements, that they're kind of much more normal things in life are actually much harder. Yeah. And being a CEO or being a rock star. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Last track. Can you tell me a song that you think many may not know that you would like them to hear, please? Okay, so I'm going to say Astake to Conocee by Juan Gabriel. So I don't know if you've known about my new album, but I spent a lot of time in Mexico recently. And I became, I just, I fell in love with the culture, with the people, with the music. And there, Elton John is someone called Juan Gabriel. People attribute him to Elton John. Like, there's an easy way to reference him. It's not that similar, but, you know, he's, he's kind of that successful, that legendary. Yeah. Um, and he, yeah, discovering the music there was like discovering, it was like discovering Tutankhamun or something. It was, I thought that I knew a lot about pop music and alternative music and really alternative music. And that all I could really do is go back to stuff I knew, you know? Um, but I felt like I discovered a whole new world of music. Yeah. So, yeah, sometimes when you, you know, I, I went to a phase where I really, really valued obscure music. I love this record that Robert Fripp made. I love this stuff. And then I started thinking, well, what, what's the really, really great music? Honestly, it's like, well, it's the things that most people know. Bowie, it's Hendrix. It's, it's, like, it's like the kind of great prophets of music. Uh, Beethoven. And Juan Gabriel is as good as all those people. So it was really great to, to discover something that wasn't obscure. It just wasn't of my culture. Yeah. But that's been a real gift. He's someone as grand and brilliant and first as Elton John, but it was a completely new discovery. And he made an album. He was the first person to record pop music at this place called La Palacio del, uh, de las Bellas Artes. Um, he did a charity gig there in 1989 or something with a full orchestra and a full choir playing his hits. And it's it's probably my favourite song of recent years, this has to cater comedy. And it's nice, it's eight minutes long, and it's this epic with a mariachi beginning and orchestral outro and brass section. It's just incredible. So I think that most people probably wouldn't know. Everyone in Mexico has heard that. Everyone. Yeah. Everybody knows that. They sing it and, you know, you walk down the street, you hear it. But 
in in the UK or in Europe and all over else. You know, if you're not Mexican, you probably haven't heard it. So wonderful. Well, we we regift that to uh, to the listeners of the podcast because Freddie, we put together a little spotify playlist of all the songs that you've picked today uh and obviously we'll put your music on there as well so so let's talk a little bit about that um as we start to sort of um wrap the podcast up um what can people expect from your music if they're only familiar with what your work is with the vaccines yeah. what can people expect uh, i haven't heard that question in such a long time because people when what did you expect came out everyone in the whole fucking world said so <laughs> What can we expect from the vaccines? <laughs> Fifty thousand person to say that. Um, so, what can people expect? Uh, it's nothing like the vaccines, for a start. And uh, I don't, I don't know what kind of music I, I can attribute it to. It's really like a musical version of what we've been talking about for the last forty minutes. You know? Yeah. I guess I had a view on music industry about what it was becoming. I had a went through this, but I'm still going through. I had a phase of a real like personal awakening and like a reshift in the direction of my life. Uh, my attitude towards everything has kind of changed and changed. Did lockdown affect that majorly? Oh yeah, that was a real catalyst. I was already in a major change before that, but that was a. I was. Re- stripped of everything that I did to keep myself busy not thinking about thinking. Yeah. So it was a time to everything started coming up. And actually, I didn't put much attention into the music necessarily. I was putting all the attention into that healing and personal growth and whatever. And the music just started appearing. And I like to think about it like the music was a uh, like a reward. Yeah. Or a signpost or validation from the universe it said okay you know you're doing the right thing this is a song this will explain this so i didn't it wasn't like a master plan or anything the songs just started appearing bought some cheap recording gear started putting it down parked it thought well maybe one day i'll make a solo record and then i just started meeting people left right and center that facilitated it and then before I knew it we were recording we recorded a few sessions over a year you know I was talking about Mexico on some previous trips to Mexico with the vaccines I'd met some musicians started collaborating with musicians went back to Mexico put a band together finished recording the album there done some like, small tours there and uh, yeah man I mean it came out on Bandcamp today so today being 9th of March and it's really weird. I feel I feel like a passenger for the whole thing. Explain a little bit more about that. What do you mean? As in, I just feel like part of it. Like if the music came through me, all those people showed up in order that it could happen. Um, and I've realized looking back, it, you know, I think the really great things in my life have been like that. It's... In some way, a lot of the time, I'm just preparing myself for that moment to happen. But I didn't, for the vaccines, for example, I didn't want to start the vaccines. I'd been struggling, in, in, you know, so it's like I said, I'm super arrogant, left school, being like, fuck you guys, going to be a rock star. See you in six weeks, I'll be headlining ready, right? 
no one gave a shit. You go to London, you play, no one cares. Uh, there's a massive alcohol stuff, massive drug stuff. Things start actually getting like falling apart a bit. Went through some kind of quite big personal tragedies. Uh, and it was like event. It was that was a six year period, and towards the end of that, I was fucked. I was done. And I got a call from someone, a friend. He says, "I've just signed a record deal. Do you want to come and play guitar?" I was like, "What?" I think I was working as a waiter. And he's like, "You you pay me like fifty pounds a day to play guitar?" Like, fuck yeah. <laughs> It's, it's happening, you know, Dad, Mom. It's happening. We're, we're supporting someone you've never heard of playing <laughs> pop. Yeah, we're the support band for someone you've never heard of playing pops, getting paid fifty pounds a day. It's the fucking dream, yeah. right? And then about a year into that, or eight months into that, my friend said he, he had like a personal crisis, and he said, "I'm, I'm, uh, let's start a band." I'm not doing the solo project anymore. Let's start a band. I said, no. I was like, no. Just got a job. <laughs> um, I can't believe this is going away. I don't want to start a band. Yeah. Go back to that shit. You know, playing while other people load out in front of us. I don't want to do that. Went to one rehearsal. Met, met up with Justin. Bang. It's like, this is it. And then my friend who said, let's do it. He was like, I don't want to do this. I'm out. And I'm like, okay, see you later. I'm starting this band. I wasn't the author of that. I just was in the right place at the right time. Yeah. That's what was meant to happen. And I just feel the same way about this. You know, I tried really hard in life to not, uh, it's like to let go of the reins. Yeah. Just want to be peaceful and present and available to the next right decision or the next right thing that seems that I should do. Because when I start thinking about things too much, like, oh, I'm going to make a song that works on TikTok and it's got this 30-second intro, I might believe it for a minute and then I'll just realize a few days later it's complete shit. I've never yeah. tried to do that. But I've tried to yeah. do that about just everything else, you know? I need to make some money. What should I do? Okay, I'll do this, I'll do that. And then you end up just pissing off a load of people. Um, I'm a real believer in just like, you know, I'm not the ocean. I'm just like trying to surf kind of, you know, it's a shit metaphor, but you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, of course. Of course. Wait for the right way. Try and keep balance. Stay calm. Like, it will come. Yeah. Catch the wave at the right time. But I'm not the wave. I can't decide that this is going to be this, going to be that. And so, yeah, that's how I feel about the record. I'm standing in it and going, I love it. And it taught me everything. But I have no, everything, sorry, not everything, but it's taught me, it's reflected everything that I believe about life right now. And, but it's going to have a mind, it's got a complete mind of its own. Are you going to be playing live shows in the UK? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to, I mean, uh, we're going to start booking a tour for May, I think next week or week after that. Wonderful. Which I just want to do on my own. I, I did like a tour in Mexico, some shows were like a nine piece band. But I want to do it, I was even just thinking of doing some of it in my, just me and my car and setting it up so I can do it kind of all on my own. Because that is such a scary thing for me. But that's healthier to test yourself, right? Exactly. But, it's like, but the, the irony is that's testing myself. And everyone would say, well, you play the O2, you play with this, you've done that. And it's like, well, that's the easy bit. 
Yeah. Well, sorry, it wasn't. Doing the O2 was actually really scary the first time we did it. Yeah. But you've got you and your brothers and your team and your lights and your stuff, and you're just standing there playing your role as part of that, and you're not the front man. So actually to go and hold an audience and to do it on your own and to, to be like, well, I'm not hiding behind anything. Yeah, totally accountable. Totally accountable. Got to go and do the settlement. Got to yeah. go and pick up the money. Like, Got to go and be an adult. Yeah. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the bottom yeah, line, that, isn't that's, it? <laughs> that's revolutionary for me. My, my, my brother was saying he was hanging out with Graham Coxon the other day. And he was like, I got no I got no idea how much my PRS checks are. Yeah. He said he's been like a millionaire since he was nineteen or something, you know. Yeah. Oh, great. That's great. <laughs> but it's funny, like vaccines are very successful. I was probably twenty one when we signed the first like major record deal. Yeah. Kind of you've got someone to pay taxes, someone to do your accounting, someone you're like, Can I have some more money, please? They're like, sure. Yeah. So it's a very it's an interesting in some ways, learning about normal life. Yeah, of course. You know, which parenting will do to you. Yeah. You know, five Absolutely. seconds flat. Yeah. Freddie, I've had an absolute, I've had a lovely time chatting, man. I really appreciate oh, you, you. Thanks, man. You, you, you coming on and, 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 and talking. Um, it's been delightful. Um, if people want to keep up to speed with everything that's happening with the record and with potential tours and things like that, Where's the best place to keep up to speed, mate? Don't say TikTok. <laughs> well, someone who just spent 40 minutes shitting on social media. <laughs> yeah. Go to my Patreon page. My Go to Instagram. <laughs> Wonderful. If it's cool with you, uh, Freddie, I'll, I'll tag you in it when this comes out uh, so people can go and find it if they haven't done um, yeah, man. already. Um, thanks again, Freddie. It's, it's been a real pleasure. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, you. If you want me to come and play your club, I'm there. Wonderful. I'm going to press stop. Don't go anywhere. Okay. There you go. Ah, oh, lovely. Lovely, lovely, lovely. And uh, I knew to thought it. Freddie was loitering around South End on Sea in the club that I was jealous of. Um, had a nice little chat about uh, some uh, some uh, some antics uh, from 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 them nights uh, after we pressed stop. And uh, yeah, top lad. Um, super. Super enjoyable episode that. Um, as mentioned beforehand, uh, if uh, if you enjoyed that and you'd like some more, then go check out the back catalogue. And and obviously, it's a no-brainer that your first stop will be Justin from the vaccines because there's a lovely chat with him. Um, and that was done just before lockdown, actually. Oh, no, it was in between lockdown. I think it was in one of the little breaks in lockdown. Um, Justin came into uh, me, me, uh, me little studio in London at the time and we had a little face-to-face -face chat and uh, that's available now um go check out freddie's new record um the spotify playlist has got um tracks from it on and and obviously you can listen to all the tracks that that freddie chose on today's episode i think we're done thanks ever so much for listening thanks again to freddie and i'll be back next time in the meantime be nice to each other i'll see you soon bye bye